Welcome back, everybody, to your favorite show on the paranormal, you know, the ghostly, the spiritual, the darkness, mostly ghostly. You're talking with, or you're listening to, rather, Matthew Fisher, and we have the great Ray Booten with us again. How are you doing over there, Ray? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing okay. Doing not so not not so bad. You know, they got the good. We got that good weather in. Uh, today is a little nicer. We've been having a lot of thunderstorms, which I appreciate. I always love a good thunderstorm. Um, but yeah, well, if you suddenly hear a lot of noise, and I say, "Hold on a second, I'm out back on the porch," so that if those storms run in, I'm running in. Yeah, I don't blame you. Somebody said they seen some hail, which I was. I thought that was a little interesting, but uh, I could be. I could be, you know, who knows. But, uh, you know, the, today's episode, we're going into a, a, cre- a creepy um, a creepy place. You know, everybody break out their Parmesan cheese, you know, the, their spoon and their forks to twirl up the, some spaghetti. Um, break out their lasagna trays, but make sure that they keep it horrifying because we're going to talk about creepy pasta. Which is like the worst name ever for anything to be taken seriously. But maybe that's part of the whole gimmick of it. Are you familiar with the creepy pasta craze, Ray? It's kind of a newer thing. No, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, it's like I don't know if you'd quite call it paranormal, but I would. You would. I would call it definitely creepy and uh, eerie and things you don't want to kind of mess with. Um, creepy pasta is kind of this. I'm not fully up to date with everything, but I, I have like a little rough opinion of it. I believe it's just kind of like internet dark web movement of these uh, scenarios, situations, hauntings, ghouls that either are just, you know, created, you know, th- through intelligent minds, creative minds, or are actually, you know, based off of certain things. <coughs> certain ones have been <clears throat> made famous like as like um slender man for people that don't you know, know about him they made a movie about it you've probably heard of slender man right <clears throat> yeah i've heard about that one yeah slender man's big enough to break into the kind of mainstream um and you know it's just you know there's there's also the the momo the, the like the momo suicide game or something like that i think the momo challenge from like a year ago that was the last time I heard of, you know, one of these things, and it was like that weird, that picture that was floating around the internet of, it was like a, a, a pale-faced lady, it looked like Shelley Duvall almost, with the exception of, uh, the face was like, it was kind of like, if you remember Beetlejuice, when, when, um, the, uh, I forget her name, the actress, uh, Alec Baldwin's wife i don't know why names are usually good with me it's escaping me but when she stretches out her face it's kind of like that except uh it it's what i think it would look like after the face was stretched back but still saggy and stuff so it's weird it has this weird human like weird bird type look to it with these you know big round eyes with big black pupils that kind of just burn a hole in your soul um and, you know, that popped up online and that was floating around and being in memes and all that stuff and just a very creepy image to begin with. But, you know, that <clears throat> that brought back to the whole gimmick of this um, this, this creepypasta and the, 
the dark, you know, dark web type stuff. But uh, the the with the with the the Momo challenge was weird. You know, the, the eyes bulge out of their sockets in the picture, and um, let me see here. Yeah, the eyes are you know out of their sockets. The face is very gaunt and pale. Underneath black hair is a gruesome, gruesome mixture of human and animal parts, which was very, uh, you know, crazy. Anybody out there, you can easily check out the picture, look up Momo Challenge, but don't go any further than that. Uh, it's a terrifying image, and it's been used as the face of a sick game that has been linked to the suicide of a 12-year-old girl, which how don't get much darker than that. Uh, the character is known as Momo, yeah, part of a disturbing viral challenge, you know, where, where these kids uh, are dared to message the character on WhatsApp. Um, Momo then replies with violent images and threatens the player if they refuse to follow their orders. However, the creepy image of the woman wasn't designed with evil intention. It has unwittingly been used in a sick online game. It's weird how, like... Um, it's weird how the kids kind of, you know, with the internet age... I guess you could say even when when we were younger, our generations, you know, we can't, you'd gravitate towards edgier, darker stuff. But like when we were kids, it was horror movies and rock and roll and stuff. And I feel like nowadays, with just how everything's kind of the shits hit the fan with society and all this madness, that's just happened. It cont- continues to gradually snowball into like more serious issues. Like I wonder why kids are finding themselves down. I guess there would have been kids in our generation, too. It, it, it has to come from, like, a sadness. I mean, of course you have that overwhelming cloud of darkness that would hover around any situation like this. But, you know, the dark, it's like the thing with the darkness. If, 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 if the darkness sees darkness within you, it knows you're an easy, easy prey. You know what I mean? <coughs> What's your well, opinion? yeah. Yeah, I, what, yeah I, I agree with that. I also think that... Uh, if you take a look at whoever designed that game yeah. and puts it out there, um, they're obviously dark. Yeah. And where, where are they being influenced from? It may not be all society. It may be darkness on the other side. It may be evil trying to spread itself. And the easiest targets are young kids, particularly yeah. if, if they're troubled, they might be drawn to it to manipulate them and have them do dark things, uh, even if it doesn't go to the point of, let's say, suicide and taking your own life, which the darkness may be looking for another soul to capture. Yeah. Even if it doesn't go that bad, you're being trained to be evil. Mm. So they're building an army of evil yeah. by influencing and putting this out here and encouraging this behavior so it overtakes somebody, and that's that's who they become. That's how they live. Darkness, darkness. So to jump back, jump back into the creepy pasta thing. You know, the creepy pasta are horror-related legends that have been copied and pasted around the internet. These internet entities are often brief, user-generated paranormal stories intended to scare readers. They include gruesome tales of murder, suicide, and otherworldly occurrences. According to Time magazine, the genre had its own has peaked uh, had its peak audience in 2010 when it was covered by the New York Times. Um, in the mainstream uh, media, creepypasta 
relating to the fictitious Slenderman character came to the public attention after the 2014 Slenderman stabbing in which a 12-year-old girl was stabbed by two of her friends. The perpetrators claimed they wanted to prove the Slenderman skeptics wrong. After the murder attempt, some creepypasta website administrators made uh, statements reminding readers of the line between fiction and reality. Um, which is very, you know, it's one of those things I think you get even if you start off in a, you know, you go in the underbelly of things, in the, the underground, the dark underground of things, like, it has a lure to it, I think, with, with maybe some certain, maybe troubled kids or kids that are more darker, that, you know, that they'll go looking for that type of thing. It's interesting that the girl that got stabbed was 12 years old and so was the girl that killed herself with the Momo video. I wonder if that 12 has anything to do with, um, it's got the two sixes, you know what I mean? So 18 would be what? 18 would be the triple six, right, if you think about it? Yep, it would be. The other thing, too, is when the website puts a disclaimer out there, um, that disclaimer is, is you know, uh, I'm trying to think of what, what to compare it to. Something came into my mind and went out and stuff, but it's kind of like, oh, no, no, we don't mean that. Meanwhile, they're manipulating you and using you. Yes, they do mean that. Yeah. They want to be able to keep pushing this. They want to be able to keep pushing this evil, this be- behavior at a particular targeted audience, at a yeah. group. So they put the disclaimer out, and then they push it farther. And that manipulative behavior, um, that is evil. Yeah, it's like a parental advisory sticker on a CD you were going to buy back in the day where you see that and you're like, ooh. You know, and it gives it a little more flavor to it where they're, tr- they're trying to, you know, they're doing their part to cover their ass to say, you know, your kids shouldn't be doing this, but they're not doing anything to keep it away from kids. You know what I mean? They're just throwing that up there to, so they look like the good guy, you know? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're putting it up there to save themselves uh, uh, and to be able to continue influencing. Yeah. To be able to continue growing this evil they put a simple disclaimer up then they do the same thing over again hoping it continues to spread truth uh, other notable creepypasta <laughs> stories include ben drowned jeff the killer test uh ted the caver or caver and sonic uh dot exe in may 2015 mashima nina inc announced plans t- uh, to a live action web series Curated by Clive Barker, titled Clive Barker's Creepy Pasta, focusing on Slenderman and Ben Drowned. Clive Barker, of course, the, the famed horror writer known for films as, you know, Hellraiser, Night. Ugh, I'm burping all over myself. Um, Hellraiser, we got Candyman's also Lord of Illusions, uh, Nightbreed, uh, you know, plus, uh, thou- you know, not thousands, but. A bunch of books that uh, people love very much. But um, we're going to dive a little bit into, you know, some of these things real quick. Um, you know, the history. Uh, let me see. I'll give you the history real quick of creepypasta. The exact origin of creepypasta are unknown. Early creepypastas were usually written uh, anonymously and routinely reposted, making the history of the genre difficult to study. Jessica Roy, writing for Time, argued that creepypasta emerged in the 1990s when the text of chain emails was reposted on internet forums uh, and U.S. net groups. But you remember the old chain emails? Remember them back in the day? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, as soon as the internet came in, I felt like it brought in a lot of bad, weird shit on, on the underbelly, that dark web type stuff, where in the beginning, I don't think there was that much of a difference. Dark web, you got to go look for it now, where more, but it was probably easier to kind of dive into then, with everything just flying around and everybody going everywhere. Um, Aja Romano, writing for the Daily Dot, stated that Ted the Caver was arguably the earliest example of creepypasta. The story posted on Angel Fire in 2001 was written in the first person from the perspective of Ted as he uh, as several friends explored an increasingly frightening cave system. Many uh, early creepypastas consisted of rituals, personal anecdotes, and urban legends such as uh, Polybius and Bunny Man. Darcy Nadal, writing for Turbo News, argued these early creepypastas had to be somewhat believable and realistic to be reposted. Many of the earliest creepypastas were created on the uh, 1x1 board of 4chan, which uh, focused on, on the paranormal. Interesting. Um, a major dedicated creepypasta website started to emerge in the 2000s and early 2010s. Creepypasta.com was created in 2008, while the Creepypasta Wiki and No Sleep Reddit forum were both created in 2010. The websites created a permanent archive of Creepypasta, which profoundly impacted the genre. Many authors started using Creepypasta characters in their own stories, which resulted in the development of continued encompassing numerous works. The definition of creepypasta has expanded over time to include most horror stories written on the internet. Over time, authorship has become increasingly important. Many creepypastas are written uh, by named authors rather than anonymous individuals. Many of these authors attempt to achieve uh, notice through their creepypasta. The copyright and Copying and pasting of creepypasta has become less common over time. Doing so is, as it seems, intellectual theft by many members of the creepypasta community. So it's just kind of this underbelly of creepy stories. Some, you know, uh, a lot of them are probably fake, but I mean, maybe there's some reality in some of them. Who knows? Are you familiar with the Polybus or the Bunny Man? I've never heard of them. No, I never heard of them. Uh, no, not familiar at all. Uh, the the Polybius, which is an urban legend, uh, emerged in early 2000 concerning a fictitious 1980s arcade game. It has served as inspiration for several free and commercial games by the same name. The legend describes the game as part of a government-run crowdsourced psychological experiment based in Portland, Oregon during 1981 Gameplay supposedly produced intense psychoactive and addictive effects in the player. Um, these few publicity, uh, publicly staged arcade machines were said to have been visited periodically by men in black for the purpose of data mining in the machines and analyzing these effects. Eventually, all of these uh, Polybius arcade machines allegedly disappeared from the arcade market. See, I believe stuff like that to be true, where, where the government was kind of running tests and stuff, because I almost feel like these Call of Duty games that everybody's into, I think, is supposed to be, they're released for kind of pro-war reasons to kind of get youth in the in kind of a war mind state, and killing in a video game is not killing in real life, but to kind of open the door to how, to, to, to let them maybe be able to get there someday type deal, you know what I mean? Uh, well, when you kill in the game, it desensitizes you. Yeah. So that... Uh, 
until you kill in real life, you have no idea what you're doing. Taking a life becomes uh, easy yeah. because there's no value attached to it. Right. And if you're looking at these games uh, and putting them out there, yeah, there would there could be a good a good reason. I could believe very easily that uh, a group, whether the government or another group, put it out there. Um, as for the government, well. I mean, we know, I think it was New York where the CIA at one time used, did an experiment on people without letting them know what was going on. And they used LSD. Yeah. There's been countless things that they've been caught uh, doing. So a game to try and see how people could be manipulated, what works and doesn't work. That's the nature of uh, big government. That's the nature of the elite and these... uh Groups controlling. They want to be able to control. They want to be able to take over, and they have to know what works and what doesn't work. So games are a great way to do it. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they weren't doing it, you know. I, I, so the bunny man that they talked about is an urban legend that originated uh, from two incidents in Fairfax County, Virginia, in 1970, but has been spread throughout the, to Washington, D.C. Uh, the legend uh, has many variations. Most involve a man wearing a rabbit costume who attacks people with an axe or a hatchet. Most of the stories occur around the Collister Overpass, a southern railway. Overpass spanning uh, Colchester Road near Clifton, Virginia, sometimes referred to as Bunny Man Bridge. That one sounds a little bit like it's not real, because you do, it's almost like you take take two different things that wouldn't go together, which would be a bunny guy in a bunny outfit killing people with an axe. It's like a horror movie. It's like a bad, bad fucking fifty cent slasher movie. You know what I mean? Uh, oh yeah, I, there's uh, oh, what was that one? I I watched one about a month ago about some demonic bunny that goes around killing people. Um, it wasn't someone in a costume, but it was one of those yeah bad, uh, something like a bun- the bunny beast or something like. It had a ridiculous title. Yeah, we- and <laughs> uh, I I watched that thing and it, I laughed. Yeah. Because what happened behind that is that the uh, there was a controlling group behind that that instilled fear and were eliminating competition and all, and they were using this creature to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I um I think that's a little too far fetched. Around Easter, me and Mel watched a lot of those kind of bunny horror movies for the Easter episode of most uh, shock treatment. And uh, none of them were they, were, they were fun and entertaining, but they weren't like, you know what I mean. They weren't <laughs> great stuff. But um, Well, there's yeah. one out there uh, I keep on, I've got in my queue that I'm going to go back to. It's called Thanks Killing. Mm. It's about a giant... Uh, turkey? Uh, tur- turkey, yep. Thanksgiving time. This one gets revenge. Yeah, that one's been floating around for a while. It's a fun movie. Fun movie. Yeah. You know. Um... We're going to jump back into the creepypasta real quick. Um, you know, Slender Man, the whole thing with Slender Man is, you know, he's a thin, tall humanoid with no distinguishable uh, facial features who wears a trademark black suit. The character originated in 2009 Something Awful Photoshop competition before later being featured as a main antagonist in the Marble Hornets alternate reality game. According to most stories... He targets children. The legend also caused a controversy with the Slender Man stabbing in 2014, which was those two girls stabbing that their 12-year-old friend. 
Um, Slenderman, you know, they got the movie, which I haven't seen. I think I've seen it for a buck, so I might pick it up one of these days. I think the Dollar Tree had it. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things, and that kind of sl- slowly... I've seen the pictures that they talk about, and it's kind of very shadow, shadow man-like, shadow people-like. You know what I mean? Have you seen pictures of Slenderman? Yeah, I've seen the pictures. I think that that sounds very manufactured. The only problem is that if you put enough energy into it, particularly negative yeah. uh, energy into it, uh, enough desperate people, enough negative energy can start to create uh, something which kind of takes a form. It, it happens in, in the paranormal uh, in hauntings. Yeah where a place uh, picks up enough energy, then it actually becomes its own entity. And Slender Man could be something that through uh, tales and myths uh, could eventually, if enough people give it energy, enough negative energy, uh, could develop into something that's a little bit more real than they think. Is that what, like, when, when Satanists would do rituals and stuff like that back in the day, is that kind of things that they would dive into, you think, where, you know, if enough people, be- you could create your own boogeyman, so to speak, your own evil entity, you know, if everybody had the same visual look to it and, and actions that it had and they all believed in it, that they could manifest something like that into the spiritual world that people would have to look out for? Uh, that's one possibility. The other is that once you create that, you give all that energy to it. The, if you want to call them demons or the evil, that does exist, there is good and bad. Yeah. Um, the other entities will take that energy and that form to manifest and to be able to come into our world and to be able to influence us. We're giving them a door. Yeah. And that, that door can be the Slender Man. Hmm. True. Interesting. Creepy. Definitely some creepy stuff. I've seen the, 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 the pictures are very creepy. You know, it's just some real tall, lanky guy chilling. Kind of reminds me a little bit of that um, thing that me and Dave seen coming back from a shoot one day with the top hat. But the top hat, is, we learned about him in another episode with the top hat man, is like its own little entity. Um, so what we've seen was kind of a mixture of Slender Man meets Top Hat Man, you know, the movie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... I don't know, but it's definitely interesting stuff for sure. Um, our next one that we're going to roll into is the, 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 the Jeff the Killer. Now, Jeff the Killer is a story accompanied by an image of the title character. In the story, a teenager named Jeff is on his way to school with his younger brother when they are attacked uh, by a group of bullies. Jeff defends himself and his brother and leaves the assailants lying in the street beaten, their hands and arms broken. After his brother claims he injured the bullies and is uh, arrested, Jeff spends several days distraught before going to a birthday party in the neighborhood where he, uh, he is attacked and bullied again. Although he manages to kill all of the assailants, he is severely burned during the uh, confrontation after being set on fire. During a stay at the hospital, Jeff realizes that he enjoys harming people and goes insane. The night after he is discharged... He slices his face, leaving a scar in the shape of a smile, and he cuts his eyelids so that he will never sleep, insomniac style. 
Uh, he then murders his parents and brother. Oh, my God, his poor brother who, who's been helping him along the journey and just did some time for him, whispering, go to sleep, while killing his sibling. He becomes a serial killer who sneaks into houses at night and whispers, go to sleep to his victims before killing them. I don't know. This one seems a re- really far-fetched to, myself, uh, to me. Um, it's kind of got that, that cautionary tale uh, of the bully, the bully deal, you know, the defense. Um, and if it's all these bullies, if it's bullies that did it, like, I feel like, They'd probably go after people that were bullies, you know what I mean? It wouldn't be so innocent. But, I mean, it's, it is evil at the end of the day. All that resentment and depression and bitterness within from being tormented, eh, that energy is not going to be able to kind of direct itself at, whatever, you know, directly only at bullies. It would be there to, you know, wreak havoc. I mean, the bully becomes the bully at the end of the day on that story. Which is, I don't know. I don't know how to take that uh, in, a, in a spiritual. I mean, there's definitely no justice. This this one kind of has no justice to it. I feel, and you know, paranormal usually has a good wraparound justice to the stories. You know what I mean? Like, there's good reason. I mean, he's got reason to be there because he, you know, what happened to him. But I don't feel. I don't feel like it's, you know, something that's going to leak out into the world and attack other people, maybe the people that bullied him. I could see that for sure. And, and people that bully other people, for sure. But I don't, you know, I don't know. But who's to say? Because the kids in Columbine that were bullied, when they went into their school, they killed everybody. You know, there was no kind of, there was no list. You know, it was not like, well, you know, Bob, Jim, Greg, and Tony picked on me at school, so I'm going to go kill those, you know, Greg, Bob, Tony, and, you know, I'm not going to, it was, I went in there and I, whoever I just, whoever they felt like killing, they killed, um, which was the, the, the darkness of that whole thing. You know, it was, uh, so there was, they didn't go, they didn't just go after the bullies either. So I guess, you know, human nature, something like this could happen. But, um, what's your take on that whole, that whole story? Uh, it sounds like a well-crafted story and I'm yeah. going to be very uh liberal with the term with the term i'm going to use more like morality play yeah that you know when you're bullied don't become the bully and don't take it to that extreme there's a whole story in there how this person evolved into evil and it's it's you want to look deeply into it i believe there's more of that um i also think that yeah it works well as a horror story but i don't see uh, anything beyond that, except that uh, you know, don't embrace the evil that's put upon you. It's an, it's kind of a simple story. Don't become the evil that you suffer. And he killed those second ones and was lit on fire, which was weird. I don't know how that would come about. If you were to kill people, how would they have time to let you on fire? And if you were lit on fire, how would you have time to kill people? You know what I mean? Well, if he if he's becoming evil, the force of the darkness would have him survive, and he can continue on. Um, as an evil entity, it makes a good story, but I yeah. don't know. It kind of parallels too much the stories where, <clears throat> excuse me, you do have a lesson. This is what you don't want to become. This is what you don't want to do, and it's too neatly fits into that category for me. It's like a new age Freddy Krueger story, a little bit. But, yeah, you know, uh, and in this story, he doesn't. 
he doesn't die. It's not like he goes into the spiritual realm. Uh, I think he just becomes like a serial killer type thing. That's my assumption. Well, they're, they're leaving it open for sequels. You know, uh, if someone picks up a movie true. thing, then you can have sequels. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I want if Jeff the Driller is anything like Jeff the Drunk from the Howard Stern show. <laughs> <clears throat> so next up, we have Ted the the Caver. Um, Ted the Caver began as an Angel Fire website in early 2001 that documented the adventures of a man and his friends as they explored a local cave. The story in the format of a series of uh, blog posts. Uh, as the explorers, let me see. As the explorers move further into the cave, strange hieroglyphics and winds are encountered. In a final blog post, Ted writes that he and his companions would be bringing a gun into the cave after experiencing a series of nightmares and hallucinations. The blog has not been updated since the final post. That's kind of cool. I mean, I like that. For a writer, that's a great send-off, you know what I mean? A great way to end your story and leave that leave that mysteriousness to it, you know? Um, the, the cave thing, it makes kind of makes sense a little bit. The strange hieroglyphics ties into the cave. They'd have to go pretty fucking deep into that cave, I assume, to catch anything like that. Um, winds are interesting. Uh, when it brought up winds in the cave, I thought that was an interesting touch because... Where would the wind come from? You know what I mean? And we know we've known that spiritual entities have been known to do give that wit, the wind, you know, give that little bit of wind uh, in places that there shouldn't be. And, um, you know, maybe there, the wind can make noises if it travels through the rocks the right way. It could, the same way, you know, our words make noises through our mouths pretty much from the, the, the pushing of air and the way we curve our mouths and such, so it's very possible that, like, through the catacombs of that cave, you could, you could hear some weird shit. I wish it went a little more deeper into what their nightmares were about and their hallucinations, because that would be, uh, that'd be, make it more interesting. But, you know, it had that kind of, going into the cave, it had that It the Clown type feel to it a little bit, where they have to go into the sewer to kind of to fight him off going to his home turf to, to do it. And that's kind of what this one sounds a little bit. A group of friends going on an adventure, find something they don't like, um, get touched by it, so to speak, within their nightmares and hallucinations, and then have to return to kind of fight it off and kill it so they don't, they're not tormented by it anymore, which is, has a very it, uh, Stephen King's it feel to it. Uh, what was your take on Jeff the, uh, Ted the Caver? Well, the use of caves <clears throat> traditionally in many societies, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. especially older ones, the cave is the entrance to the underworld. Yeah. Um, whether it be hell or whatever you want, however you want to define it, mm-hmm. different societies, different ways. The ancient hydroglyphics that uh, ties into ancient societies, also any society that might... Uh, be doing rituals down there so they're reinforcing that cave image they're going down into the bowels of the earth and uh what evil will they find it's a it's an excellent setup that way particularly uh of course when you go in there you're going to suffer dreams and hallucinations and they become the epic hero by attempting to go back in there and destroy whatever is evil so it's it's a good uh hero story though we don't know what the outcome is but uh, they're using 
well-established elements such as the caves or even the wind wind when there, where there is no wind the elements or an elemental uh being in that cave uh it works story-wise um with that blank ending uh not knowing how it turned out i'm not so sure i uh, don't know did they give a location of where that took place supposedly um no not so much no 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 nothing like that no because i'm wondering if they were if there was a location they would be encouraging people to explore that would have a different put a different tone on the whole thing uh in case there was something in those caves that they shouldn't be uh, delving into yeah i like the the mysteriousness of it with it not knowing where it is and the fact that you know not not ending your story but ending it that way as a writer uh it's something the writer didn't want to do. Probably he pro- he would love to have probably came back and finished it up, but it's a hit that he took for the realness effect of it. I feel um, if if it's perfect, it's a great story. You know what I mean? Like they they talk about it's Blair Witch. They talk about going. They go. They're never seen again. Now you have these 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 blog posts to tie the story together type deal. You know, like it's. It's um, it's it's a good story, you know, and it, it was adapted into a 2013 independent film uh, called Living Dark, the story of Ted the Caver. So if anybody's out there, uh, want to check into it, I guess look up that movie. Might not be able, be able to even get it. The name's not that fantastic, I would say. So you know, it could be difficult. I don't see much of the paranormal, except for the references of uh, older cultures, caves, going into the earth, darkness, and hieroglyphics. Otherwise, I don't see much to take that beyond just a story. Just a story that someone wrote that was interesting. It's also kind of crazy that you'd think that you could kill something spiritual with a gun. Like that's very naive. Like what you know, if you're having all, if you're ha- if there's this entity in there that's so strong that it's giving you nightmares and hallucinations. Would it really be smart to go back in there, period? And do you really think a gun would help you? I mean, this is, it's, it's, it's a tough, you know, it, it, once it's in your head, like, you got you need something more than a gun to get it out of your head. You know what I mean? It's just kind of there. And the whole cave aspect, I guess it would have to go into which theory you were taking. You know, in previous episodes, we've, we've had discussions where there is no hell. And in this situation, if there was to be a hell, who's to say that it's actually, Actually, you know, they got the heavens up high, hell's down below type thing, but it would realistically all be a spiritual realm. So, like, which do you think hell's below, or do you think it's more of a spiritual realm? I'd say more of a spiritual realm, a a state of being. As far as going into that cave, I would say if you took two people, gave one a super soaker, that huge uh, squirt gun that can can pump out something 20 feet away, fill, fill that with holy water, give the other one... A shotgun, but make sure that the uh, they're not using shot; they're using salt. Yeah. Send those two in there, and uh, anything they encounter is going to get the holy water and the salt. And good luck that it, if it survives. You're like that makes more sense than going in with a regular gun, for sure. I don't think silver bullets would work either. That's just werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's definitely uh, some tricky stuff, you know. But I don't know how much I believe in this one. No, me either. It's a it's a good story. 
It is a and good they story. Ended, ended up being a movie, so yeah, it works as a story. They got what they wanted out of it. Yep. Um, next up, Ben Drowned, uh, created by the internet user Alex Hall, aka Jelasubel. Uh, ben Drowns tells the story of a college student named Matt, oh my, who buys a used copy of the video game The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask for an elderly man at a yard sale. Matt finds that this cartridge is haunted by the ghost of a boy named Ben who drowned after uh, deleting Ben's save file. Matt encounters disturbing glitches and scary messages such as, You shouldn't have done that! And you've met with the terrible fate, haven't you? In May 2015, Variety reported Clive Barker was developing a television series adaptation of Ben Drowned in partnership with Warner Brothers. But Hall later confirmed that the project was no longer in development. See, that's another one of those things that's a good story, but not realistically. You know what I mean? Like... The fact that this the haunted video game, very modern, of course, you know what I mean? It ties in. And I get the way kids are obsessed with video games nowadays, it leans more towards, you know, the possibility of it. But I just don't know if a kid. And then he drowned. He must have what he drowned, I guess, is, you know, the story with it that has nothing to do with the video game at all. You know what I mean? It just happened to be, I guess, something that the kid loved. So I guess his love for that video game. You think if somebody loved the video, kid loved the video game enough that when they died, they would haunt that video game? Well, if, uh, if a spirit can haunt the location because it's a place that they uh, loved, they lived and loved, and not let go of this world, the potential, I'm not saying in this case, but the potential would be that um, it can go into, into anything. And that could be a video game because of the energy produced by the game when you turn it on. Yeah. So, yeah, there they could be part of that person in a game, in which case, if you start deleting things, it's going to get pissed. And that's not a good thing to do. I guess so. The same way, like they say, if you do, if you, do uh, you know, uh, additions on your home and stuff like that and remodel, that gets the, the, the ghosts a little upset because it changes up what they're used to. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Just kind of weird, that whole video game thing, but I think that one's more of a far-fetched story. I think it was more of a, what can I come up with that'll scare, you know, a lot of people, and a lot. there's a lot of gamers out there, especially nowadays, and internet, you know, they, you know, I think that it, that's very story-sounding, you know what I mean? Oh, I, I agree, and it plays right into uh, what's going on in society with kids now and the games. Yeah. Okay, well, we've got uh, we've got. We're going to talk about a couple more games. Uh, we're going to finish it up. We're going to run through a couple of these internet games, and um, you know, we'll give our opinions on uh, ones that are floating around the internet. So, without further ado, I'll say there's a game called Three Kings. Okay, this game is uh, became popular after the Fable Forge posted about it on a subreddit called No Sleep. It is said that this game enables the player to gain access to another dimension. You'll have to play this game in a large room, preferably a basement, without a single flash of light coming through. Also, you'll be needing a pack of candles, two large mirrors, three chairs, and an object from your childhood. Getting deep now. Now we know this is going somewhere when you hear the darkness, the mirrors, and the childhood. Uh, 
But once you're done setting everything up, leave the door of the basement open, go to your bedroom, and set the alarm clock for exactly 3.30 a.m. before you snooze off. Uh, If the alarm goes off at exactly 3.30 a.m. and the things inside the basement remained as they are, then you can proceed with the game. You need to be seated at your throne at exactly 3.33 a.m. I know 33's got a lot of tie-ins with paranormal and uh, occult and Illuminati shit. Uh, with your lighted candle in hand, do not let the candle go out of the project. Uh, go out and protect it from the fan behind you using your body. Once seated, look straight ahead into the darkness and never look into the mirror nor the candle. At this point, you'll start to feel and hear a presence. Some accounts stated that it felt like having a conversation with your conscience or an entity that manifests as a part of you. It will talk to you about your past and your unresolved issues. Some have claimed that this ritual is some kind of psychological experiment that puts you in a lucid dream. Whether you believe you are talking to an entity from another dimension or it's nothing but a psychological effect would be up to your judgment. Now, what do you think about that? Because I know you've talked about things with the darkness and mirrors and looking into it and stuff. So what's your take on that one? I think it could go either way. Uh, one thing I'd be curious about is if you had a uh, well-trained sound man, uh, that while you play that game, are there any subliminal or low-level sounds mm-hmm. coming from that game that you don't consciously hear? I know at one time they used to uh, do that in certain horror movies many, many moons many years ago yeah uh that would put you on edge or make you nervous so if there if there were some even if we can't hear it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean a spirit can't hear it if there were some sounds or some chanting or something to facilitate opening a portal along with all of the other ritual and again as we've mentioned over and over again the person wanting something to happen you could be opening a portal you could be uh summoning something from another dimension uh the potential is there uh the the setup is very ritualistic the belief in the person uh what they're doing and not having done the game i don't know what what goes on in the game but that probably supports the whole thing and yeah it could it could be another entity it could be opening a doorway um and it could be a psychological game played on the person, but I think there's potential for much, much more than just psychology. Yeah, I mean, another basement activity happens in the basement. What do you think of the whole thing about setting the alarm clock at 3.30 and you got to go check to make sure nothing moved? I assume if things moved, then you shouldn't be doing the ritual, I assume? What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, if things have moved, you don't touch or do, do anything. As far as 3.30 goes, uh, there's that old story or legend about that if you wake up at 3.30, it's because uh, something Staring at you. Has, been, has been watching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So it's in that time period where you're susceptible. They're also having you wake up and in a not fully awake i mean if you wake up at 3 30 and then at 3 33 you're sitting there mm-hmm. your mind isn't fully engaged so you are open at that point yeah. for something to happen so the the setup is very good to manipulate someone into opening a portal yeah so you agree that one kind of sounds somewhat realistic like it could be something uh definitely there's there's too much potential there too much aligned just perfectly to open some open something up 
Yeah. Our next one up is the closet game. Uh, the objective of the closet game is to sum uh, is to summon not just a spirit or a ghost, but a demon. Basically, all you need to do is step inside a pitch black closet, hold up an unlighted match, and say, "Show me the light," or "Leave me in darkness." Once you begin to hear any whispering, light the match immediately. In the event that you fail to light the match right away after hearing the whisper, it is said that something will grab you from behind and drag you into eternal darkness. The same thing would happen if you get curious enough to turn around and see what's behind you. If you didn't do any of those mistakes, open the closet door with your lit match uh, in hand and slowly step outside. From then on, you must always make sure to have the lights on whenever you look inside your closet, since it is now permanently haunted by a demon. Woo! So this is like, this this is worse than a Ouija board. This is how to get yourself a pet demon, you know what I mean? What's your take on this one? A uh, simple form of summoning a demon, and it has a lot to do with the will of the person to want to have that demon, to see it. Um, many people believe foolishly that uh, they can summon and control. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that if a person is doing this, what else are they doing in their life, whether it's the, in their behavior or other rituals, mm. that w- will support the success of this uh, when you do it? let's face it, if you're going to the point of, oh, I'm going to go in a closet and summon a demon, right. then there's a lot of other things going in your life to set that up so so that uh, it would work, whether it be other rituals, whether it be your behavior, whether it be psychological problems. Again, you are opening a portal there by your will in a, in a small ritual. You're listening to a lot of Marilyn Manson and fighting with your stepdad. You know what I mean? What do you think about You're you're also, the other thing too is, uh, if you're talking about demons and you're talking about evil on the other side, it's, again, it's looking for an opening. So what you're doing is presenting that opening. You're you're saying, here, come to me. And, uh, no, they're glad to do that. Uh, Get their uh, talons in you. Get their hooks in you. They're glad to do that. Have you heard about this routine before? Um, Like with the whole match thing? Well, you, 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 you hear something, you like the match immediately. If not, you're pulled in. Uh, no, but in a lot of rituals, the, you have to keep to them exact. You change one little thing, and you're lost, you're captured, your mm. soul is given up. I mean, all of that happens with ritual. It has to be done in an exact way. I mean, one thing that, uh, an example a lot of people may be able to relate to, and it comes out of a movie, is that... Um, you have the one where you recite three famous words from the day the earth stood still. They're recited wrong. And now you have a clerk in a store that's going into another dimension or something evil is coming through. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, and that plays on that a ritual has to be done perfectly. And what this, what you were talking about with that match is that um, if you set it up in a person's mind and they're summoning, if they break that ritual, they're susceptible, which fits almost every single ritual I've heard of. When you're doing something nasty, you shouldn't be doing. Break it, and you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, it's craziness. 
Um, that one's very some creepy stuff. Uh, it's very. It's one of those you got to have balls to do. It's almost like a dare the same way, you know, you, people, your friends would dare each other to do the Bloody Mary or the Candyman thing. You know, it's like, it's like the complete opposite of seven minutes in heaven, but it's like seven minutes in hell, Ray. Literally. My question is, even if it's successful, you really want to have this demon living in your closet? Well, I wouldn't personally, no, but... It's, it's it's it goes back to the you know these dark the people that think that they can get a demon to be their pal and do their bidding for them you know what I mean it's the people that think that 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 don't quite understand for whatever reason that you know there's trickery and wickedness involved and um they feel well, like, human human nature says that someday when you're distracted or you're tired or who knows you're drunk whatever it may happen to be someday you're going to open that closet. Without turning a light on, it's got you. Or family. Or maybe you got family or, yeah. or something, a little brother that opens it up and now he's fucked. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know why people have this weird... It's like when girls get, date like shitbags and then they're like, well, I thought he was going to be different for me. You know, it's like the same deal except with uh, the demon. I don't know why people think that, demon, that they, for some reason, they can... They can control the demon, or they can, you know, they'll be they'll be fine with them. I don't, I don't. When people think that, I have no idea why they think those things. Well, it is it's a combination of curiosity and ego. I can handle it, yeah. and uh, until the day comes, they have to handle it. Then they scream and run. Yeah, but that's yeah, definitely. I don't know why you would want. I'm with you. I don't know why you would ever want to summon a demon to your closet. Uh, maybe if you're, I understand if you're. Uh, if you were, uh, I don't know, if you if you were like a character from The Craft in in high school, and you're looking for something to do on a Saturday night with your craft friends, and you think, hey, you know what, we'll do this. I remember I talked about on the episode on the show once how I went to a sleepover when I was young, young, uh, in like grade school, uh, like middle middle school, and uh, after, when we were all supposed to be sleeping, we were up and. They were drawing, like, pentagrams and shit on themselves, and I was like, nah, nah, even, like, at a young age, I was like, nah, I'm good with that, man, and they're like, ah, it's not that it's just fucking fun games, and it's like, nah, I'm still not gonna do it, you know, I've always had a good head of that, at least, of, uh, not knowing full that I don't want to get involved with some dark shit like that, um, next up, uh, one of the folklore I just mentioned, you know, Bloody Mary, you know, um, it's a folklore legend. It is believed to be the vengeful spirit of a witch, um, which I never knew it was a witch. That's good to know. In order to summon her, you'll have to chant Bloody Mary three times in front of a mirror while holding up a lighted candle. After that, what's left for you to do is wait for a woman covered in blood to appear before you. Some may have stated that participants of this game may have to endure Bloody Mary's wrath, which included getting strangled, cursed, or getting their souls taken. There are numerous accounts of people sharing their experiences, with the few expressing their disappointments with the lack of thrilling occurrences, and other expressing their horror upon encountering the infamous spirit. Bloody Mary is quite popular, with a few movie adaptations floating around. What's your take on that? Uh, again, it's a ritual. This one here, I think it's mostly a tale. Mm -hmm. um, and it's someone wanting to draw something through. Yeah. 
if you're doing that in the dark and you've got a candle and you're facing a mirror and we spoke on a previous episode of how your brain plays tricks. Yeah. Because uh, you're going to be staring in that you're going to be staring in that mirror, and the brain's trying to deal with multiple images: the image of you and the candle. It'll merge them, and you're likely to see something. But that's created in the brain. Yeah. That's not a real image. As far as anyone wanting to summon something, again, they're doing a ritual, and it's their will and their intent to summon something. Then they very well could. It may not be Bloody Mary. It may be something just using that legend to try and attach themselves. Is there something about a candle, or can somebody use, like, a lighter? Like, the candle keeps being brought up. Is that, like, a pure? Is that pure fire? Is that what that's supposed to be, or? Candles attached to a lot of old rituals, yeah. and I think that it just carries it just carries over to these, uh, to today, to kind of add an atmosphere to it, and a validity to what you're doing, making it much more intimidating. Oh, it's a candle, and, I mean... Let's face it, if you're over there with a Zippo, that's kind of, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it just doesn't work quite yeah. quite as well. But the candle, the darkness, and the mirror. Yeah. And the mirror having the potential to be a portal uh, to another dimension, you're tying in certain things which are paranormal, and you're tying in things that have been involved in other rituals, and you're just adding in a name, uh, Bloody Mary, so that it can manifest. But, yeah, it's a ritual. It's using tried and true old methods to try and suck you in. Mm. And if you're vulnerable, yeah, something is likely to reach out and uh, contact you. In all your days of paranormal, have you ever heard anybody tell you a story about this ritual? Uh, that one, no. Uh, like we covered once before about going and... Uh, holding a candle and counting backwards from 100 and a ghost appears at 33 but that's the brain playing a trick yeah so this one is more this one is directing you to summon something and when you're making that connection uh you're using the bloody mary image or the bloody mary legend to give whatever's on the other side potentially not with everybody but potentially uh, a way to manifest and connect with you What's the 33 tie-in again? What's 33, 33 represent? And it's, it's, there's a reason for 33 to pop up so many times, right? Uh, well, and particularly in the, uh, well, it is one of the numbers. Uh, it is a power number, mm -hmm. number one. Uh, number two is it takes, if you're counting backwards from 100, it comes back down to, uh, down to zero. What happens is it takes, the amount of time it takes while you're trying to hold the image of staring in a mirror mm. with a candle next to you, it takes just about that amount of time for the brain to not be able to hold two separate images and to put them together and create behind you or what seems to be over your shoulder in the gap between you and the candle since you're holding it next to you, a glowing image, which is nothing more than the brain putting your face and a candle together. Mm. So that's timing. And it takes about that long for the brain to do it. But 33, I know there are certain uh, meditations I do, and 33 is involved. It is one of the, uh, what I would call, power numbers. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it can be powerful when used the right way. Mm. And you've got to be careful how you're using it. 
I remember uh, when I was in, in back in this around the same time that I went to do that sleepover. There was a um, there was some girls in our school that they had their own little Bloody Mary story, where they uh, they went into the, the supposedly went into the bathroom uh, at school and they did the Bloody Mary in the mirror, and they claimed that the door that you know the door the door lock they couldn't get out, um, that the lights were flickering. And that they heard like a werewolf howl. Remember that was their big thing, and that's you know twenty years ago, and that's still stuck more than twenty years ago now, maybe thirty, pushing maybe like thirty years now, fifteen to twenty five, thirty years, and like, um, yeah, like I owe that creep me out, and with the werewolf thing, you go, yeah, you don't know, but it could be just who knows who can decipher. A, grow- a growl and a werewolf howl. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's the idea of the wind howling, the werewolf howling. It's a type of noise, uh, a creature howling that uh, they're attaching to that story. It's kind of got that the Candyman feel too. You know, Candyman's another one of those famous. I think say the name three times in a mirror situation. Um, I remember I had an occurrence with 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 Candyman back in the day where I I I just got the Soundgarden Super Unknown CD and I remember I was in my room and I pulled out the inner packaging to like look through the pamphlet the booklet and uh, I said for whatever reason I don't even know why but for whatever reason I did Candyman three times or what is it it might be more than three times but I did the Candyman thing. The same era, same time as the werewolf, Bloody Mary, and the pentagram shit, which I guess was a very paranormal time in my life uh, when things first started really kicking up, I guess. But um, the I remember behind me, in the, I seen a reflection in the, the, the glass, like the plastic cover uh, of the DVD, uh, the CD case. I noticed something like a shadow move behind me, and it scared the shit out of me. And uh, I remember I ran downstairs, and like that was that um, for the night. But there's a, there's been a couple occurrences where I've seen things, and I've just kind of left the situation. Like when I was younger, I had I talked about a nightmare I had where when I woke up, the nightmare was still happening, and I like went downstairs. But um, yeah, I remember that. That's my only Candyman time. Did you ever have any dealings with the Candyman uh, situation? Uh, no, I've encountered other things, but not Candyman. What other things are there that you can think of? Um. Of that caliber. Well, one, one positive thing one time Mm. is that, and I say positive, I was doing a, I was doing a meditation and it was very early on and I was cocky, younger and cocky. And I have a, uh, spirit guide that is with me all the time who I call my grandmother because that's how the guy presents to me mm-hmm. as a kindly old lady. Yeah. And uh, I was saying, you know, uh, show it to me. Let me see, every, you know, give me everything you got, whatever. And uh, I was brought to a place, you could best call it a cliff, a pre- pre- uh But, and I was shown something which... I cannot really describe it, but it scared the living daylights out of me, and I screamed, and I suddenly felt myself 
grabbed and yanked back. And then I woke up and I was sweating. I was nervous. I went into uh, the other room mm -hmm. uh, where the bathroom was. I was splashing water on my face, trying to fit, trying to get over it. I take a look. I had a short sleeve shirt on. Um, I looked at my arm, right the same arm, right where I felt the tug. There was a handprint, like someone had grabbed me and yanked me back. Mm. So it went from what I saw in the meditation to a physical manifestation. Um, I've been in things where I've been exploring uh, what you would call other dimensions, and I've encountered things. I've learned that often what looks very frightening, uh, that's our view. I mean, it looks frightening to us, and I've counted some that look terrifying, but they're actually very friendly. They're just different. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't really encountered anything that uh, I would say is terrifying. Yeah. There's a lot of weird, un unexplainable things out there, you know. Um, our next story, the elevator to another world, world, world. Um, the game originated from Korea, and performing it supposedly takes you to a different world via an elevator. All you have to do is find a building uh, with at least 10 floors and it has an elevator. Make sure that uh, there'd be no one else riding the elevator aside uh, from you before you proceed with the ritual, which is very, um, that's very nice. That's very, uh, for, for, the, for everybody involved with that, that elevator ride, I'm sure they're happy to be left out of that situation, you know? Uh, once you step inside, you'll have to do a four, two, six, two, ten, five combo on the elevator's buttons. On the fifth floor, a woman would enter, but you should never look at her, nor should you speak to her. Afterwards, press the button for the first floor. At this point, the elevator would begin ascending to the tenth floor instead of going down to the first. Upon arriving at the tenth floor, you may get off the elevator to explore this different world. The woman would ask, where are you going? But you should never answer. After walking around, you may return to the real world by going inside the same elevator and using the same 4262105 combo. In the event that you pass out during the game, you'd most likely find yourself waking up inside your own home. But make sure to look around, since it may not be the same home anymore. Creepy. Um... Nice. I mean, that's a good story. I don't. What do you? Th what's your take on that? Uh, they're using numbers. Yeah. That's uh, a lot. Like I said uh, before, a lot of numbers are used uh, in different rituals. Uh, the elevator is a vehicle, mm -hmm. and you have a guide there. So it works out as it works out well as a story, particularly. Uh, the twist that uh, when you come back, things not be may not be everything they were, meaning that you were changed or you came back to a different place afterwards. So it's uh, I like it story wise. Uh, I'm a little skeptical about an elevator doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just bringing some old traditions into a modern one and using the the uh, elevator as the vehicle. You have meditations with the macabre, and that uses uh, sacred geometry, and it uses numbers, and that's used as a vehicle to travel into other dimensions. But an elevator? I don't know. 
Is there any uh, is there any importance to those numbers, the four two six two ten five? Not off the top of my head. I can't think of. It's weird. It's a weird group of numbers. Um, that woman's pretty creepy. Uh, you should never answer. I guess if you answer her, if you tell them where you're going, maybe uh, you, you permanently have to go there or something. You know what I mean? Uh, that's like a gatekeeper. They could trap you there. Um, so what's your take on not talking to that gatekeeper? Uh, if those are the rules, I'd follow the rules. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to, if there's any legitimacy to it at all, I would want to follow the rules and not uh, piss off that gatekeeper because uh, once you break the rules, then uh, they got you. So you'd answer her? It tells you not to answer her, but she does ask you the question. Uh, no, I wouldn't answer. I'd kind of let it all play out. Would you pretend to be texting on your phone so you don't have to talk to her? <laughs> no. No, no, no. I'm hoping that she wouldn't be able to read my mind. Like, what the hell? Yeah. What you are, what you talking to me for? I ain't talking back. Don't read my mind now. <laughs> I wonder if she's got a creepy look, uh, what the deal is with that. Yeah, it's, the combo is kind of weird. It's not like... It is like a, it's like a like a combination. It's not like you can just randomly punch in those numbers. You know what I mean? It, it, it's almost like the combo to to figure it out, to figure out the whole end of everything. Well, if you take the numbers and you add them up, they add up to twenty five. And then if you go with numerology, you add the two and the five, and that makes seven. And that's a sacred power number. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, we'd have to do some science on those numbers to catch out what the deal is. Um, and then the same... Because, I mean, the same numbers get you back, too, which is interesting. My question is, do the instructions tell you to do it in reverse or in the same sequence? No, it just says use the same uh, combo, so I assume it'd be in the same order. Hmm. Interesting. I'm surprised there isn't one about a phone where you t punch in like a some wild number and like you know it can it ask you questions and you give your give the the number that fits you, the answer for you and then you eventually talk to like something. I'm surprised there's not one of those kind of stories floating around. But that's uh, give, yeah. give it time. Somebody will think about it. Well, I just said it, so now there'll be one. We should die. We should do like a, a short. We should do that short. That's a one one person short. We could do that easily, actually. We'll do it during, yeah. during the COVID. Um, next up, the hooded man. Um, the hooded man. The, the hooded man ritual is similar to the elevator ritual in the sense that it takes you to uh, a world different from ours. This one requires you to perform a cleansing ritual prior to starting the game, like burning a sage or spreading salt on your front door. When um, when night comes, go to a room where there is a telephone. Detailed instructions can be found online, but you'd basically be making a call for a cab. If you have succeeded, you'll be seeing a black cab parked outside your house. Exit the building, climb into the cab's empty back seat, lock the door behind you, and go to sleep. If you awaken and your watch reads exactly 3.30 a.m., then you'll find yourself falling asleep for the second time. Once you wake up, 
The cab will be on an unfamiliar highway, and you'll notice the hooded man behind the wheel. Some accounts have stated that other passengers may get inside the cab and sit with you, but you should never pay attention to them. If you want to end your ride, just lean closer towards the hooded man's ear and whisper, I have reached my destination. You'll fall asleep and wake up in your house. After which you'll have to go to the telephone, dial a number and say, Thank you for the ride. Do another cleansing ritual afterwards. Regarding the cab ride, it's up to you whether you want to continue the ride for a longer period of time, but many have advised against it since the world gets more absurd as the ride goes on. And worst case scenario is that you might not be able to escape the world anymore. That's very interesting, you know. Um, I wonder what the whole deal is with this... uh, like you call a number, I don't know what that's all about because then you get, you know, it's kind of weird, don't you think? Like, what's up? You call a number, a black cab shows up, you get in the cab, you go to sleep, you wake up. There's a dude in the hood driving the driving the cab, picks up other people, don't talk to him, and when you're done, you just whisper in the dude's ear that you you, you reached your destination. Um, I wish it went a little deeper into the absurd world around you. Like, are you watching through the windows of this crazy, you know, world? Or is it common to what we know now? You know, is there interaction with this hooded man? Um, This right here just seems weird. It doesn't really seem creepy. What's your take on this one? I think it's weird. It has some elements of older stories. You do have... In older cultures, whether it's a ferryman that takes you on a boat and takes you on a journey and sometimes into the other world, underworld or another world, uh, the idea of carriages was very big in, in medieval times. Uh, also, the carriages at that time were also used to transport the dead. Uh, and you also have to remember to pay the ferryman. Uh, but I think the kind of I think they tried to update it, adding the phone, making it a cab, and putting an unusual figure in the front seat. It's kind of like the modern version of uh, being ferried into another world. Yeah. Sheet, man, sheet. Yeah, it is kind of like the ferry. I assume if you go the whole ride, you know, you probably don't come back, or uh, it's a long trip back. Um. It sounds it sounded like a story that a drunk person made up where they called an Uber and the fucking black car showed up and they got in there and they were drunk and passed out and next thing you know, they're driving down a highway they don't know and they're picking up other people because they slept through their stop and I don't know, the guy with the hooded sweatshirt on is just racking up big fucking money for you so he's tra- trucking you around everywhere and... You get into these these cars with these other people pop in, and they're you're obliviated and fucking they don't want to talk to you anyways, so they keep to themselves, and you just kind of go back to sleep. And at the end of the night, you say, "Hey, I think I should go home," and then you go to sleep and you wake up at your house. They don't talk about the rape aspect, though. You also you wake up naked and, and manhandled. Well, I'm, I'm I was thinking about it. it's a very creative writer who kind of just modified their experience when they had a drunk night out yeah. couldn't remember who told them who took them home uh whether it was a police or a friend all they remember is waking up in their own home yeah and they 
filled in all the gaps with a nice little story there. Well, uh, black cabs matter, you know what I mean? And it's unfortunate that they get a bad rap in this story. That's all I'm saying. Oh, too bad it wasn't a black and white cab. We know that's a cop car. That's oh, used true. To, used to be. Now they come in all different colors. But, uh, yeah, the black and white used to be the, the old cop car. The black cab but, was a little overkill, I think, in the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're trying to make you be able to tell a difference between, you know. I think the the fact that there was a, the cab was black is kind of the only airy part of the whole fucking story, realistically. You know what I mean? Well, now with all these uh, ride shares and Uber and everything else, the color of the vehicle doesn't make much difference. At yeah. one time, when almost all cabs were yellow or checkered, uh, yellow being the predominant color, a black one would have stood out. So this, uh, making it the black cab uh, adds a certain amount of mystery and potential evil to it. If you don't do the right thing, you end up being trapped. Reminds me a little bit of a... Uh... Are You Afraid of the Dark episode that I liked as a kid. Are you familiar with the You Afraid of the Dark? That might be a little before your time. And it was kind of kiddie on Nickelodeon. Uh, if it was on Nickelodeon, it was after my time as far as being a kid goes. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a children's Tales from the Crypt. You know what I mean? And in it, they had this cool segment episode where it was called Phone Police. And, um, you know, there's these kids that think they're funny and they pull some pranks and call some people up. And... Uh, do pranks on them then they get a call from like the phone police and they say you know you keep that shit up we're gonna come get you and uh they 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 don't listen to them and they keep doing it and then there's like a black car that shows up at their at their house late at night and like they take the kids away from their family and like they send them bring them off into the nether void uh so it's kind of like that which is there's an, they had another cab story that's a lot like this too but i think a lot of shows kind of pull uh from, you know, shit like this to uh, make movies and television shows out of. You know, oh, yeah, you got, you got Men in Black, then the conspiracies about the black helicopters, and historically it, the black represented the darkness, and that's where we associated, let's face it, if, if you didn't have something like electricity and the only light you ever had was your campfire or a torch. Yeah. Um the darkness that went outside of your encampment held a lot of danger. Truth. Even if it was just animals or whatever it may happen to be, it, it was danger. And that's where a lot of the lore comes from. What lurks in the darkness, what yeah. may take you away. And you would tell your kids not to wander off. And you tell them stories about something that's going to grab you and take you into the darkness so that the dark, the black, we've continued those traditions. And we tell stories now and using the same sort of, uh, color reference the black and the dark yeah i'm with it uh, we get our next story up and that one is called uh one man which we could do one man or woman um for this one to be politically correct but one man or woman hide and seek um which originated from japan and called hitori Kakarembo. Uh, it's a paranormal game wherein you'll be playing a game of hide-and-seek against a spirit-possessed doll. What you'll need to do is take a stuffed doll, remove all its stuffing, and replace it with rice along with a piece of your fingernail. Sew the doll's opening with the red thread and wrap the remaining thread around the doll. 
You'll have to give the doll a name, place it in a tub filled with water, and proceed to your hiding place. Turn off all the lights and switch the television on. Take a mouthful of salt water, but don't swallow it. Get out of your hiding place and start looking for the doll, which is probably not in the tub anymore. Once you find the doll, pour salt water over it. Allow it to dry, then burn it and discard the remains. Also, take note of the static in the television during the game, since it would warn you about potential unwanted visitors wandering around. Um, very detailed in this one. There's a lot of work has to go into this one, but what do you think? Is this just a bunch of paranormal things thrown into a pot, stirred up, and turned into turned into a story? You think there's any like credibility to something like this? I don't know enough about Japanese culture to be sure. I'd yeah. be curious what the significance of rice is. I mean, if it's True. a main staple of food, it could be something that that uh, an offering or feeds. True. When you're talking about uh, putting something of yours in there, that's very much like uh, if you do a doll in voodoo. Yeah. To give it to give it energy. I'm not sure what in Japan water means, but it seems to have some cultural roots in it, and seems very very interesting. the The use of salt is interesting. That seems to bridge many continents as far as cleansing and removing evil things. There may be behind it some cultural stories that could make it work. Yeah. Uh, how well, I don't know for someone uh, outside of the country who doesn't believe or know the significance, but for someone in Japan, it possibly could work. You think that salt water in the mouth is protection and that's why you're not supposed to swallow it? Because when you find the doll, you I'm assuming you spit the water onto it. That's what I got from that story, um, which kind of would release it. It's almost like you you, it's, you summon a demon into the body of this doll. The doll gets up and moves. You know, you got this salt water in your mouth to protect you, so to speak. When you find the doll, you put the water on the doll, the salt water, and it kind of cleanses the doll, and then you burn it and all that. So it almost seems like the objective of the game is to, like, pull a demon out of wherever, put it in the doll, play a round of hide-and-go-seek with it, and then release it back into the, uh, the wilderness, so to speak. But, like... Uh, it doesn't seem like that that it'd be that easy, you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't think they they'd appreciate being played with like that for just a couple moments of coming to the surface and then being tossed back. You know, what's your take on the whole weirdness of them? It goes back into the whole Ouija thing and everything we talk about about how it's the trickery and like they make a big deal look like a small deal for entertainment value. Or for wicked value, you know what I mean? What it, whether no matter what it is, but what's your take on the fact that this is some? It's another one like the classic game where it's like mess with a demon for ent- for your own little entertainment and then get rid of it when you want to, and it's kind of playing it up as uh, is dangerous. They're, they're, they're doing very dangerous things here. What do you think? I think there's some da- danger in there. It could be a demon. It could be another type of spirit. You would have to look again at the culture and what the structure is of the supernatural there. And if it equates uh, to what, let's say, someone in a, with a Judeo-Christian background would, would say is a demon 
Or even if you go back to, we did an episode on jinn. There are good jinn and there are bad jinn. Are you summoning a good spirit? Yeah. Uh, or an evil spirit? Uh, I would tend to say that with the salt, yeah, the salt uh, water in the mouth, that's for protection. And yeah, you are cleansing it. You're not only cleansing it, but the exhaling and the spitting out of the water mm. is how you're banishing it back to wherever you called it from. Um, anytime you're calling anything, uh, I disagree with that game. The potential there for uh, a mistake or something coming through you can't handle. It's always there, always present, and very strong. What's your take on the... Uh... Uh, on uh, the presence of the static on the television, you know, the, seeing in the static. I know the Poltergeist, the film has that where, you know, they're here with they're looking into the static ETV and such. What's your take? Uh, uh, what do you know about um, getting messages and such through a static ETV? Well, the static ETV actually goes back to, uh, it predates a lot of the uh, TVs that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, back when you could put it on a channel and you get nothing but static. Right. The static itself and the white noise has uh, legends about it and things being able to come through, and that's that white noise or collection of noise, mm. uh, the different frequencies. That's how, for instance, a spirit box works. It always has a lot of static, and then occasionally a word comes through. The energy that's there and the noise that's there is what the spirit uses to communicate and to form the words. Uh, so the TV makes sense. It does date the story some, mm. but the static on a, on a TV would make sense as far as communication goes. And you're possibly leaving it on so that uh, if there is something friendly, that it comes through and says, "Don't do that." Interesting. Yeah, because you would, uh, you know, it's the like a, a static TV is because a channel is off the air and it's just kind of an open airwave, and then you get all this elect the electricity of these spirits can pick up on that airwave. That's kind of where it would come from, right? It does. It brings to mind a story which uh, is not supernatural, but mm-hmm. it shows that uh, I got a little bit of a dark side. Yeah, we're going to go into the story? Uh, <laughs> we watched the movie White Noise where okay. things appear on the TV. Now, this is an old, an older movie. Like the one and with it, um, Michael Keaton? Was it Michael Keaton in White Noise? Yes. Okay, cool. And the thing comes through the TV when the static is there? Yeah. And what happened was that and we had an old TV, and I went upstairs to one of my daughter's room, and she'd fallen asleep with the TV on. Mm-hmm. So being an older one, I changed it to a channel where there was just white noise a white screen and noise, and I snuck out of the room. She woke up during the night. Mm-hmm. She freaked. We could hear her screaming from downstairs. <laughs> Not very nice, and she remembers it to this day, but, um, and I probably wouldn't do it again to somebody, Yeah, but that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, if I had kids, I would probably horrify them with things like that, like I would put the... I'd set up something in their in their room so I could speak, give it the weird voice, and act like I'm talking through the TV at them. And you know, I'd probably destroy their mind. So it's probably a good thing that I don't. Not till later in life. Once I get it out of my system, I'll just destroy Alex Hawk's mind for now, and then, 
I'll get it out of my system for children. Our next story up is a story called Dry Bones or Dry Bones Ritual. Um, Similar to the Hitori Karanembo, Dry Bones, which is what we just talked about. Dry Bones is a ritual wherein you'd be playing a game of hide-and-seek, but instead of a doll, you'd be playing with a demon. So this sounds very much exactly like it, without, except without the doll. Playing with the demon doesn't sound like a good idea, but, a thrill, but thrill-seekers are in for the hopes that their wishes will be fulfilled once they win the game. Okay. What you'll need for this game is a bathroom with a mirror, a candle, and some matches. Begin the game at exactly 12.01 a.m. After ensuring that you are alone and you have closed all the doors and windows of your home, go to the bathroom and stare at your reflection in the mirror while listening to your surroundings. If you hear anything, get out of the house immediately, since it means that the demon's already there. If it is completely silent, then you may proceed by thinking of something you really want as a prize. Make sure that you, your wish is not harmful to anyone. Light up the candle uh, with the match, but don't blow out the match yourself. Wait for it to burn out on its own. Then lie down on the floor and say, I am aware of your presence and I welcome you into my home. Come now. After that, go to the largest, which I got creeps just saying that. Go to the largest room in your house and wait for a, mo- a moaning, wait for a moaning house, which would indicate that the hide and seek has begun. If you manage to hide from the demon until three a.m., then you win. You must say thank you for playing, but please leave now. You are no longer welcome. The demon will leave once you hear a groan. Uh, expect the prize outside your front door the next morning. Sure, getting a prize is great, but you might not want to risk playing this game once you figure out the consequences of losing, which is, I assume, it takes your soul, man. Um, that was that was uh, all these crazy madness playing games with demons things is no good. That's what I'll say. Um, and what are you supposed to wake up and have a, a fucking car in your driveway? What are we talking about here? You know what I mean? Like to to play the the prize has to be pretty damn big for for uh, myself, uh, you know, to would to to even want to venture into that type of game. You know what I mean? What's your take on that one? Um, yeah, definitely something I wouldn't want to do. Mm. I mean, you're you're trying to outwit a demon and. If you have something that is not of this dimension, who's to say can't just, you know, for three hours or just under three hours, walk through walls or go anywhere or see anything or track you down by your energy, etc. If you haven't, in fact, summoned a demon, if you have, um, who's to say it's going to follow any rules, right? no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it also sounds like a little bit about, uh, a little bit like Crossroads, the story about... Uh, beating the devil at the crossroads and fiddling mm. and trying to beat the devil that way. Uh, devils or demons are not good things to play with. Actually, it, it echoes a little bit, though not exactly the same, of the story of Faust, who uh, sold his soul. Uh, and then when the devil came to collect, what's the collection? Yeah. Why, why would anything evil just give you something? Uh, unless it was so that you played the game again and got sucked farther in and it could eventually own you, mm-hmm. that would work. 
but I, I don't see where anything where you're doing a ritual and anything where you're summoning evil or a demon uh, should be any sort of game at all. It is real, even if uh, we're fortunate enough not to encounter it in our day-to-day, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We have to pay it respect and keep our distance. Yeah, it's funny how it says make sure that you don't wish it uh, wish harm on anybody, but like you're putting harm on yourself by just playing the game, you know. Yeah, I agree. Interesting stuff. Uh, next up is a game called Dararuma San. Dararuma San, or the bath game, is another ritual originating from Japan. It involves summoning a ghost which will most likely follow you all day long to try and catch you. In order to summon said ghost, go to your bathroom before bedtime, strip yourself naked, fill the tub with water, and turn off the lights. Climb inside the tub and position yourself in front of the faucet. Close your eyes and begin washing your hair while chanting the words, Darumba-san fell down over and over. You will see a mental image of a Japanese woman standing in front of a bathtub before she falls on a rusty tap, which impales her through the eye. Continue to chant until you finish washing your hair. Once you feel a presence near you, ask out loud. 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 I, was, I turned Japanese myself for a second. Uh, ask out loud. Why do you fall in the bathtub? Don't wait for an answer. With your eyes kept shut, carefully stand up, get a towel, and exit the bathroom. And close the door behind you. Leave the bathwater overnight and get some sleep because the real game will begin the next day. You'll be feeling a presence constantly following you. Do not allow her to catch you by putting some distance between you and her. In order to capture her, gaze over your right shoulder to shout, Kita, while doing a karate chopping motion with your hand, which sounds very racist. That sounds like a very racist thing. If you don't do this properly or you will f- or you fail to catch her before midnight, expect her to follow you in your dreams. Creepy. Creepy pasta. Um, what's your take on that one? Uh, as I'm listening to these, it's this repeating a lot about summoning spirits and summoning demons. Yeah. And playing with them or trying to get something from them. I'll go back to something I said very early on, besides the fact that some of them make good good stories, some of the early ones. But if you are evil, mm. if you are a demon, you are the devil, if you are a human working in their behalf, you've already made a deal, for instance, um, and you are manipulative, then you are crafting these games and putting enough elements in it to make it work and to take souls, to make it work and to take people to bring more of that evil, more of those demons into this world. I begin to think when I'm listening to how these stories are going that it's not accidental that all of these things are for summoning evil. I think that there is something behind it, evil itself, whether it's a uh, human agent of evil or something from the other side that's inspiring uh, these people mm-hmm. to create these rituals, introduce them in different cultures so that people become susceptible and people become uh, used, people become 
vulnerable. And that opens the door for more evil to come through and to continue this on. Yeah. That's craziness. I'm with you. Um, they, they're made more believable by the fact that they're, they got that paranormal aspect to them of summoning these demons. Because, I mean, if you, if you, if you set out to do so, I mean, you can. And, um, you know, it goes back to the, the theme that we always talk about with this stuff is the fact that you don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? And I think you get, you know, there's people that probably get in way too late and it might need, you, you might not, even if you're not dealing with like a demon, like out of a horror movie in your face, it can come through in depression or bad, you know, bad luck. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, in a situation like this, like, it isn't always like sometimes it is a big shadowy figure in the corner of the room that's trying to hurt you, but in other situations it's just a mood. You know, it's 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 it slowly progresses into your life as a sadness maybe and a depression and, and then it gets worse and worse until you're hopeless and it's got you in its grip. You know what I mean? It's not always a physical thing and I think that's you know, people don't when they the thing they worry about the most is the physical aspect of something sticking around, I think, where they don't really pay much attention or pay much mind to the reality of it staying around and, you know, being able to hit you mentally or, or spiritually, you know what I mean? They think that, that that's, you're just as vulnerable in that situation uh, of getting hit in those in those places than you are physically, you know, grabbed by the throat and strangled, you know? But it's, I, always, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, if, if let's say you're trying to be a good person and you're following a good path, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's trying to knock you off that path. It's trying to get you depressed. It's trying to get you anxious. It's trying to get you to look into other things. Yeah. Uh, it's trying to get you so that you respond, let's say, in anger or you lash out at people. It makes you more and more vulnerable to other influences. And these are these other influences are also evil, and that's the path that's trying to lead you down. And it's crafty enough to not do it by just throwing up this image that frightens you, but chipping away at your integrity, chipping away at your soul, so that down the line, you are uh, a completely different person. Yeah. And you've changed so much that people don't recognize you. And at one time, there's something you may be appalled at. Now you either shrug or actually laugh at it. And I think, yeah, the more subtle inroads that it can make uh, and the more people it can do that with, it can change the whole nature of society. Yeah. You think with how crazy things are right now with, uh, you know, in the world you know, everybody, the way people look at just society around them, they just kind of, they see the badness and shrug their shoulders. You think there's some type of weird global possession type thing going on? I think that if you throw it in people's faces enough mm-hmm. and uh, they don't take a clear look at what's going on, they get so wrapped up in their day-to-day that they just become kind of immune mm-hmm. and they build up a wall. And that wall is dangerous because while you go through your day-to-day and ignore the problems in the world, the problems will grow until it overwhelms you and you can't hide in your day-to-day anymore and you've lost your perspective. 
you've lost your ability to deal with evil or these problems because you've run from it. At some point, you have to face it and you have to make a choice on how you're going to live. Yeah. It is true. True, 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 true. All right. Um, next up is we got the old uh, Charlotte. This one called Charlotte's Web. Uh, not to be confused with the E.B. White book uh, we all had to read as children. But um, this one involves... I don't know, the picture to it's weird, but uh, you might be familiar with the popular children's book, Charlotte's Web, but have you tried playing the game named after it? In this game, you'll be calling for the spirit of Charlotte Webster, a little girl from the 1400s whose mother has been accused uh, as a witch and burned at the stake. If you dislike the idea of playing paranormal games by yourself, then this might be the game for you, since it requires two players. You and your partner have to go to a dark room with a large mirror, which is very continuing theme. You know, the dark room and the mirror are probably the most prominent things in all these stories. Bring a flashlight and a toy, uh, preferably one that a little girl would like. Set up two chairs in front of the mirror and a table behind the <coughs> chairs. Place the toy on top of the table. Make sure the toy's reflection can be seen in the mirror. You should both take your seats and make sure no other light comes through the room except the ones coming from your flashlights. Say the words, we want to play Charlotte's Web in unison. Wait for Charlotte as she appears in the mirror to take the toy. You may now converse with her or ask her questions. Once you're done, say goodbye, Charlotte, with your partner, and that's it. Those who've tried this game claim that Charlotte can be a sweetheart, especially if you get her on her good side or if she likes the toy you offered. Don't play this game in an attempt to try and piss her off, though, because accounts say that Char Charlotte throwing a tantrum would be the last thing you'd ever want to see. And I believe that, actually. I do believe that that would be the last thing I'd want to see. Um, what do you think of that one? Um, it's using the energy of two people, so you're amping up there. Yeah. When two, two people on one path, you increase the energy and a chance of success. It's also sucking people in by using uh, the image of a girl, a young child from the 1400s. It makes you feel comfortable because you're bringing toys. Uh, it's got all the elements of being something that uh, is very good at manipulating people because it all appears in the surface to be very innocent. Yeah, I think Charlotte's Web is very fitting because it kind of webs you in like a spider would, you know what I mean? With with the safety factor around it and the fact that, like, she comes off as a sweetheart. That, that, the, her, their words exactly, you know what I mean? Um, which is dangerous. Continue, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's more a web of deceit. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the child from that period of time to continually be appearing for all these centuries all over the world, mm -hmm. uh, I think there's something more at play there. I think there's something there that wants people to, even if you do this and you're successful and you found it a pleasant experience, then you're more apt to turn around and try something else. Maybe take it a little farther. Maybe do something else. And that's where the web, to me, where the web part comes in. You get stuck in that web and you get pulled farther in. 
and pretty soon you're doing things which at one time would you would never have thought of, but you're building this false confidence because you had this night, oh, we did this with a kid, a little child, and it was really nice. Let's try this too. And you think you have control. Um, you don't have control. And again, I, the image of a young child and two people doing the ritual together to amplify the effects of it, their energies uh, on a surface looks nice. I would say that it's more manipulative than anything else. It kind of sucks you into the whole thing of rituals and that you can control it and they're not bad. Yeah. It's creepy. And you get the two people. So like you said, I mean, it would be bringing more, it takes more power to kind of summon her. Right. I think that's what the, the, the deal with the, with the two people, it's going to take some more to summon her, or just why do you think there's two people in this story and, and, and not the other ones? Well, they're sharing power in the summoning, and also afterwards, it kind of one can vali- uh, make valid the, the other one's uh, story of as the results, so that boosts everything up. And uh, that draws you in, Father. I mean, hey. Of course it happened. So-and-so, I did it with them, and they saw it too, and it went great, and I heard about this one. We should try this. It sounds even bigger or better. (laughs) Now, I I don't want to be totally a downer, Mm -hmm. but there's too much of it out there, and a lot of it directed at youth, and even some adults who don't think too much about consequences. Uh, there's too much over there trying to drag them into it without any safety, without any forethought, knowledge. You just drag them into doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. When it had the thing with giving the toy, it reminded me a lot of when, um, I think it was, was it Draco? It was it Metro West where we had on and they were talking about they left candy for the ghosts on the on the gravestones. It was one of them. Um, and the same thing, it's like they can't eat the candy, but they appreciate the fact that you're gonna, the gesture of offering it up to them in the same way with this, where she doesn't take the toy, obviously. Um, but she supposedly appreciates, you know, what you brought her. Um, well, in some, and if you look into other areas, when you bring something and you bring a gift, they often call it a sacrifice. Yeah, and when you're doing a summoning or when you're doing a worship so that you're bringing a gift to this unknown entity even though you may think it's a little girl yeah. and to keep it presumably to keep it happy yeah well with all these all these stories some, some of them have certain people like this has the Charlotte Weber girl like you know What's your take on, um, you think these are just specialized situations that, that that just happen to have gotten so big, you know what I mean, like to become folklore? Um, or do you think that that could be like, you know, trickery within, you think it could be a negative spirit or do you think it was some actual person that I assume she would have to, to get to the level of folklore, um, she would have to, I assume, be very famous, like a very famous story. Um that was real or, or maybe uh, trickery, you know, evil spirit trickery. What's your thoughts on that? Well, if you're talking folklore, you could have had something odd happen to a child. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you're talking the 1400s and uh, the story of it starts going village to village. 
Yeah. It gets it gets embellished. It gets changed a little bit. Um, all of this happens, and over hundreds of years. I mean, you're talking over six hundred years mm-hmm. uh, to bring it up till now, around six hundred years. Um, it goes from folklore to legend. If it's interesting, uh, you know, someone gets on a boat, crosses the sea, and uh, tells this interesting story from their homeland, and it starts spreading over there, and it just keeps going and going. Mm. And what could have been an odd circumstance, a child dying in an odd way, the parent, it could have been a grieving parent that used to leave uh, their favorite toys out. Mm. And maybe they claimed to see him afterwards, and they would say, oh, I light a candle to her. Yeah. And who knows how it started, but over time it just gets, it spreads and it gets twisted. And again, if you're looking at something on the other side that, uh, whether it be a spirit or whether you want to use the word demon or not, that has a way or is looking for a way to get into our lives, this is perfect once the person does the ritual. Mm. We've given them a means. We've given them a ritual. We've given them a name. And we put it out there on the web, and you know they're just on the other side going, "I love this. Who's going to summon me next?" Yeah, no, I'm with it. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something for sure. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Our uh, our next game up. You ready for this game? Our final game of the evening. Uh, it's called the Midnight Game. Um, the Midnight Game is probably the most popular game on the list. If you find the other paranormal games unchallenging and you want to go to the extremes, oh my god, then this dangerous game might just be the one for you. The Midnight Game was believed to be an old pagan uh, ritual used as a punishment to those who disobeyed the religion. The instructions on how to play the game can easily be found online, which we don't recommend anybody playing any of these games. I just want to throw that in here somewhere. Uh, But the gist is that you have to summon the Midnight Man and walk around your house while making sure you don't get caught by him. If you manage to avoid the Midnight Man until 3.33 a.m., there it is again, uh, then you have won the game. The game is not that complicated since the procedures are clear and easy enough to follow. What's more is that this can be played by more than one person, so if you're too scared to do it alone but still want to do it anyways, you can just ask your friends to share the misery with you. Just keep in mind that most of the people who have played this game including uh, included a warning to never try this game. Some have experienced hallucinations, and some were even left with permanent mental scars. This game was so popular that it uh, was even adapted into a film. You know what I mean? You see. Uh, and that's kind of all it says about it, which it didn't really say too much. Because um, I guess they don't want to go too deep into this one, because... Uh, Maybe it's really grim, but it's a, a pagan ritual one. It came from the pagans. Um, supposedly that's what they did. I'm curious. Uh, dare I look up the instructions real quick? Uh, maybe you don't want to. I, I probably don't want to, but I feel like I... 
The other thing too is like they're they're putting it on the pagans, and that's a very broad, broad uh, terminology. Yeah. I mean, as to where it came from. At one time, uh, anything pagan, and even parts of the world right now, uh, was automatically evil. And it, it isn't necessarily. You have lots of uh, earth medicine and uh, Wiccan and. There's a lot of that that is very good. So I have a few doubts about the pagan part of it there. Again, how folklore legends are built. And uh, as far as looking at any of them, even while you, you're reading it, or do you really want to, number one, take responsibility for putting it out there any more than you have? And two, maybe what will happen while you, if you read it or look at it? Yeah. Yeah, um, I have the I have the uh, the rules right here actually, so I'm gonna say them. I feel like we owe it to the audience not to leave them hanging. We got left hanging a little bit, but we don't do that to our audience. So the rules to the midnight game are as follows. And again, don't anybody do it. You know what I mean? No matter what the outcome is, don't do any of the games on this 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 episode. We're just talking about it out of pure interest and. That's as far as anybody needs to go, is the discussion. That's probably bad enough. Uh, but the rules go, do not, turn on any, uh, do not turn any lights on during the midnight game. Do not use a flashlight during the midnight game. Do not go to sleep during the midnight game. Do not attempt to use another person's blood on your name. Do not use a lighter as a substitute for a candle. So that, that weighs out what I said earlier. Uh, it will not work. And definitely do not attempt to provoke the Midnight Man in any way. Even when the game is over, he will always be watching you. Good luck. Uh, you're going to need it. So, I don't know. That's kind of like the deal. But it, and there's a little more here. There's a little more on there. I'm just going to kind of... Uh, i got to get a better image of it. Here. Um. Well, while you're looking that up, if it says do not use the blood of someone else, you're dealing with a blood ritual. Do you really want to go down that road? No, I mean, once I read that, I was like, this is just too, this is too dark. Um, all right, I got something I'll just have to read. Uh, the Midnight Game is an old pagan ritual used mainly for punishment. I read that part. Blah, blah, blah. While it is mainly used as a scare tactic, do not display, uh, do not disobey the gods. There is still a very real chance of death to those who play Midnight Game. There is an even higher chance of permanent mental scarring. It is highly recommended if you do not play the Midnight Game. However, for those who, uh, those few thrill seekers out there, in a rush, blah, blah, blah. Instructions, is it, it must be exactly 12 a.m. when you begin performing the ritual. Otherwise, it will not work. The materials required include a candle, a wooden door, or at least one drop, uh, at least one drop of your own blood, a piece of paper, matches, or a lighter, uh, in salt. If you are playing with multiple people, they will all need to do their own uh, affirm all, all need their own materials, so their own blood, and will have to perform the steps below separately. All right. Step one. Uh, write your full name, first, middle, and last on a piece of paper and put the last one, the last one drop of blood on the same paper and allow it to soak in. Two, 
turn off the lights in the house, go to your door and place the paper with your name in front of it, take the candle and light it. Afterward, place the candle on top of the paper with your name. Two, knock on your own door 22 times. Uh, the, uh, the hour must be 12 a.m. upon the final knock. Then open the door, uh, blow out the candle, and close the door. You have just allowed the midnight man into your home. Number four, immediately relight your candle. This is where the game begins. You must now lurk around your completely dark house with the lit candle in hand. Your goal is to avoid the midnight man at all costs until exactly 3.33 a.m. Should your candle ever go out, uh, it is because the midnight man is near you. You must relight your candle with, uh, the, within the next 10 seconds. If you are unsuccessful uh, in relighting the candle, you must immediately surround yourself with a circle of salt. If you are unsuccessful in both of these, the Midnight Man will induce a hallucination of your greatest fear until 3.33 a.m. If you are successful and relight the uh, candle, you may proceed. If you are successful in creating the circle of salt, you must remain within the circle of salt until 3.30 a.m. You must continue until 3.30 a.m. without being attacked by the Midnight Man or being trapped within the circle of salt to win the midnight game. The midnight man will leave at 3.33 a.m. and you will be safe to proceed with your morning. Staying in one spot the entire game will only result in the midnight man finding you. It is highly advised you continue moving throughout the game. So, yeah. That's interesting. There's definitely a little creep factor there with that one. You know? What, yeah. You I don't... Again, I don't like playing games yeah. with something from the other side. It may have been to uh, originally to scare people. But if it is based on older rich rituals, yeah. then there's probably an element of truth to it. And uh, that's a risky thing because right up front they're saying you could lose. Right. Yeah, I wonder what... Um I wonder what if it takes your soul or takes you away. Um, you know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just got a bad feeling about that one. Yeah, that one creeped me out when I was reading through it. It creeped me out a little bit. The, uh, I mean, not yeah. not that I'm ha happy about what some of the others asked you to do, but that one. Uh, I don't know. That was very detailed. There was a lot of steps of you must do this, you must do that. It had all the elements of that negative in there. And um, like you said, it goes back. You know, the pagan things go back. Um, definitely, definitely some crazy shit for sure. Uh, but yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, all you really do is win the game, too. I mean, you don't even really win anything. It was that one where you got whatever you wanted, which was nice. But this surviving's uh, the only kind of award in this. But you know, surviving's all you know the greatest award of all, I guess. But um, yeah, for sure. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get down with that. 
No, and it, despite all everything that's going on with all of these negative things, one thing in common uh, on the opposite side of the coin, so to speak, is that very rarely mm-hmm. do you need to ask for anything good if there is a good spirit, if there is something there positive. All you need to do is feel it in your heart and to think about it. And they come to help, to enlighten, to guide you. Mm-hmm. Anything with this, with these rituals that are bargaining for something or playing games with, that is not good. That is just dangerous. Now, what do you think that blood element adds to it? You know, that was the first time we heard about blood being brought into it. What's the, uh, what, about, what do you think of that? Well, if you're going to sign a contract with the devil, you sign it in blood. Um, you take the Nazis, they took a blood oath. Uh, not much has been good as far as the rituals in blood. Yeah. Yeah, it's craziness, for sure. You know what I mean? It's, uh, there was some, there was somebody asking questions and getting answers on here. I was trying to run through it real quick and, um, figure out, you know, what some of uh, you know some of the stories are they if you know they got like um, you know can the midnight man try to kill me even if I'm in a circle of salt no the circle of salt protection is a protection charm but he can try to scare you um, does the midnight man come back if you play the game every night at 12 a.m. yeah obviously that would make sense what will happen if I don't relight my candle um, You'll have to pour salt around your body in a circle or he'll come catch you. What happens if I leave my house? The rules state you're not allowed to go outside. If you do, the Midnight Man could find you and it could mean the game is over. Uh, What does he look like? He looks like a purely black humanoid figure. He has no facial or bodily features. Imagine him as a black piece of cardboard shaped into a human. Uh, to win the game, you wait until 3.33 and turn the lights on. The game will end. How do you prevent them from catching you? If you stay in one spot, he is sure to find you. There are no other ways to prevent him from finding you besides moving around the house. Um, can it be played outside? No. What happens if I play Bloody Mary while playing the midnight game? Yeah, I don't know about that. You won't do that. That man attacks me. He might kill you or simply torture you by showing you your worst fear. So that's the deal. I guess it shows you your worst fear for the remainder of the time. So what's your take on that, Ray, where where it comes in and kind of shows you, it puts you in like a hell until, until, until the time's up. It doesn't quite kill you, it sounds like, or take your soul. It's just like a comes into the mix. You try and stay away from it, but if it gets you... It makes you, you know, kind of puts you out, you know what I mean, by like into a, a trance of, of, of seeing your, your worst fear and going through that for, you know, they start at midnight and ends at 3.30. So, you know, you got that. <laughs> you got to deal with that. Hopefully you don't get it too soon or you'll be, you'll be no, no, no bueno. But uh, so what's your take on, on that whole deal? Well, what happens when you face your worst fear? How much does that hurt you? How much does that bring you down? How much does that twist your mind around? Yeah. Also, if that happens and you 
it is traumatic, that might draw you in again to try and beat it next time. And you can get locked in this negative cycle or look for another ritual to change the outcome. And using that fear to manipulate you, to get you to follow up and keep following this path is something I believe that uh, they would do. Yeah, the fear would drain your energy and what better way to, if you wanted to stay strong or get stronger in in the sense of these spirits, you'd want to continue to tap in and be like a mosquito getting blood. You'd want to come back and get some serious energy, uh, you know, reel them back in like you were saying where they'd probably enter back into the game. So a better way, better way, I think, most are, oh, well, there's a question for you. What do you think would be more powerful? Taking somebody straight up, like just having them play one time and taking their energy or like fishing them where you, 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 you scare them, soak up all that energy, but you let them live. They come back, you soak up more energy and let, continuing to do that uh, routine of things. What do you think uh, would be better for a spirit? Well, I think over a period of time, yeah. if what they are doing is reintroducing themselves, mm-hmm. using your energy, changing you, turning you more towards them, turning you more into that uh, evil, then you can spread that farther on. You can continue that with others. You can have them do rituals. You can uh, do evil yourself. And so to me, uh, the one shot doesn't work. The manipulating and spreading on a wider base, yeah. whether it is the uh, more rituals, trap more people, evil itself, your behavior, um, I think that is much more devious and much more effective than just that one shot grabbing the soul. Yeah. Just like you spread the wealth, they'd be spreading the evil. Returning customers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's weird stuff, but yeah, like I said, I, we wouldn't recommend playing any of these games. It's just for pure entertainment value, um, and he's no different. You know, the old midnight midnight man is no different. Um, it's all about getting that energy, taking that energy. So yeah, I mean, these whole what's your whole take on on these internet, you know, games and, and, and viral weird paranormal evil <laughs> summoning demon games which you take on all this stuff a lot like it was when I said at the beginning yeah. I really believe that uh, it is evil itself trying to influence people yeah. the games will pe- uh, appeal to people and if they already don't have a weakness then it will appeal to their weakness they're searching for something I believe whether it is evil itself directly influencing people to create the games because it had to be created somehow. Yeah. Uh, evil people pushing the potential of evil to others, widening their circle, drawing more people in. And yeah, I'm I'm against them. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird that, that this is this is kind of like the you know where it's progressed to, you know, but you know even progressed to probably worse places as we go on. So. One day we'll talk about the creepy pasta games. As I uh, remember, remember when they used to do those innocent creepy pasta games online. You know when it gets into the realm of killing people and stuff, which some of them do. I think 
um, you know, like the Slenderman one to bring it back. You know, they 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 weren't just uh, they weren't just cutting each other for street credit so they could make a rap album later. You know what I mean? They uh, the reason that her her surviving wasn't like the intention. I feel. You know what I mean? They probably were attempting to kill her and just failed. That's what that's more of how that sounds than just like, you know, give me a shoot me in the hand so I could be a big famous rapper later. You know, something like that type deal. Um, but yeah, it's craziness. Definitely uh, some scary shit. Um, wild. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, there's always going to be crazy paranormal stuff out there some you know that bad energy has to manifest in some way you know oh yeah we're in a technology world so whether they use technology or they borrow from old folklore it's still gonna happen yeah well sheet there's our uh, creepy pasta and meatballs episode where we talk about you know the whole creepy pasta situation the internet folklores and curses and weird games they got people doing um suicide games and all type of this one these were more paranormal these were more these were more i'd probably call this more of a captured demon and play with a demon release a demon type thing um you know very dark shit there's darker games out there though i think there's ones where you have to kill people and kill yourself and stuff um i guess that stuff's too too crazy to get into. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to, you know. But we'll. Um, these are bad enough. These are scary enough. So, you know, with that, we'll wrap it up because it's been a lengthy episode, and uh, we'll catch y'all. You want to say anything else to the fine folks listening, Ray? Before we beat, uh, you don't need the games. Um, there's no reason to go searching after something. Yeah. Follow your follow your path. Follow the light, and you'll find yourself, and that's what it's all about. It's not about manipulating others, and it's not about being manipulated by the gamers. Just keep your mind open, but keep your guard up. Yeah, kids. Connect 4, Monopoly. Those are the games you should be getting into. Playing some vid games, maybe, of reasonable reasonable vid games. You know, Don't, don't get into these paranormal games that'll freak you out. You know, there's, uh, that's why horror movies are made, you know. So check out one of the horror movies based off of these games. But do not play. Okay? Alright, folks. We thank you for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Ghostly. <laughs>